evening and welcome back to the third edition of the It's Not Orange podcast. And tonight we welcome a guest who has kindly given us his time. So with no further delays, please welcome Andy. Andy, how are you this evening? I'm really well, thanks. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Good. Thank you for coming on this evening and giving up your time for us. My pleasure. And with no further ado, getting his hat trick this evening is Martin. Martin, how are you doing this evening? Yeah, I'm great. Hi, Andy. Nice to see you. Nice to see you too. Um, and welcome for his second appearance on the It's Not Orange podcast. Matt, how are you doing this evening? Very well. Thank you, Tom, Martin, Andy. How are you? All great, mate. Looking forward to it. Um, we're going to kick off this evening um, with just speaking a little bit about yourself, Andy. So if you wouldn't mind um, talking to to the viewers of or listeners, should I say, of the It's, it's Not Orange podcast and tell us a bit about yourself. I'm here. Um, 44 now. Um, been with the BBC since 2005. So uh, this Christmas will be 18 years with BBC Radio Lancashire, which is um, some stint. I, I never in my wildest dreams did I think I'd have done that period of time working um, for the BBC in Lancashire. But um, I, I love my job. So it, it's it's a it's a privilege to be the sports editor at Radio Lancashire. I have been for quite a few years now following in the footsteps of Gary Hickson. Um, and I'm really fortunate. I'm in a, in a great job getting to watch football for a living, uh, cricket and other sports as well, but primarily football and concentrating largely on the fortunes of seven Lancashire clubs, one of them being Blackpool. Um, last season, we had four championship clubs and uh, three League One clubs and Coming up from August, we've got teams in all four divisions of the EFL and then the goodness knows how many steps of the non-league pyramid as well with, with Fylde getting promotion as well. So uh, a busy season to look forward to, but um, really privileged to do the job. Yeah, it kind of gives you the like time to study all the leagues as well, doesn't it? Whilst having sort of an affection with each part of um, each part of the, each league as well. So that's quite good. So have you got any favourite moments during your time? Um, not necessarily to do with Blackpool, but just, just in your time with the BBC, have you got any favourite moments covering the sport? So many. Um, I, again, I've been really fortunate. Um, I, I've covered, before I joined the BBC, I worked for a station called Century Radio. Um, I covered a lot of Champions League semi-finals, um, England internationals when Wembley Stadium was shut and England were on the road. So, those are great times. Covered Blackburn Rovers in Europe. Um, it was largely the reason I came to Radio Lancashire. I was asked if I'd like to cover Blackburn Rovers in the Premier League. And uh, within a few years, they, they were in Europe. And then within a few years, they're in League One. So um, I don't know what that said about me <laughs> uh, covering their fortunes. But um, it, it's, it's been eventful. I, I cannot begin to say how many managers I've seen appointed and leave at, at all seven clubs. Um so many highlights. Um, so fortunate to cover lots of promotions, um, lots of big days out at, at Wembley Stadium. Um, I was actually doing the commentary of the playoff final where Blackpool lost to West Ham. So I, I wasn't at the Cardiff one. Uh, I was away for the weekend with family. So um, I, I deliberately didn't find out the score of that all day and watch the highlights on TV at night without knowing the score. Wow. <laughs> so it was it was brilliant to watch. And um I'm so glad now, Brett Ormrod, who, who I consider one of my really good friends, scored the winning goal that day, of course. And uh, just a, a brilliant season for Blackpool, a brilliant guy, Brett, as well. And uh, no one more fitting, I don't think, than to to score the winner to send Blackpool up. So highlights, many, many, many of them. Um, and 
obviously you get some disappointing days too, which I think that West Ham playoff final, Blackpool should have won that match. They were in control of that match and didn't. And, and that was a big disappointment. But um, there's been so many more ups and downs for me in the last best part of 18 years. Yeah, we spoke a little bit about the um, the uh, in the first episode of the of the pod. We spoke about like not crying at football matches, and I can safely say I definitely cried when uh, we conceded that goal. Um, despite my age, I just looked up at the clock and realised, you know, ninety minutes, and you probably realised that being a Blackpool fan, we we've got quite a lot of success at Wembley. So realising you're actually going to go there and lose, it was it was one of those things which kind of just. Yeah, it just made me feel a bit sick. But as you say, some things are meant to be like the Ormrod goal and and others aren't with with sort of the the misses we had in that game. But we're here now and, the, you know, the club are back on the rise again. But um, Matt, did you want to um, come in with something? Yeah, so you touched upon how you're a Blackburn Rovers fan and obviously BBC Radio Lancashire covers seven teams. Do you start to grow a bit of an affinity for the teams which, when you're a fan, you'd consider them to be a rival and want them to do well? Yeah, it's funny. Um, My dad has always been a fan of football, but been a fan of Lancashire clubs. He's never really had an affinity. If he had one, I guess he'd say Preston North End. Shouldn't say that on your podcast, should I? Uh, But he, he wants every Lancashire team to do well. And the older I get, the older... (laughs) <laughs> the more I get to be like him in some ways, I suppose. It, it makes our job better when our clubs are doing well. Um, nobody enjoys seeing our clubs play poorly. And, and it's never a nice time when, when fans are not happy and that sort of thing. I mean, it might make a little bit of entertaining radio with people getting in touch saying, I want him sacked, I want them gone, I want everything else. But but no, th- there is absolutely no doubt that, that you get an affinity and a feel for, for all of our, our Lancashire clubs. Um, I mean, I, I've been at promotions for Accrington Stanley, Morecambe, Fleetwood Town, Blackpool, um, Preston North End, uh, Blackburn Rovers. Uh, I haven't been actually in the stadium to see Burnley go up, but um, as, you, as you said a few moments ago, being a Blackburn Rovers fan, I didn't even realise I'd said that. But um, I, I, I was brought. I was brought. Up, I was. I was brought up a Blackburn Rovers fan. But it is funny because you you um, go through this job and and people um, will stop and talk and go. Do you know it's really obvious you're a North End fan? Do you know it's really obvious? And I heard last week is it, it's really obvious that you're a Blackpool fan. And and just from from your trip to Ireland last week, it really comes across that you're a Blackpool fan. Uh, and that that either shows that I'm I'm an Oscar winning actor. Or hopefully that that it shows that I actually do care about how well our clubs do and um, and just like to have an affinity with all of them and um, that that's that's really my role to make sure that 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 comes across. Yeah, I think um, we'll we'll touch upon your time with the players in in more recent weeks um, a bit later on. But the, I don't know if you've seen. I'm sure you have the response on Twitter and, and other sort of social media platforms have been you know, that sort of coverage that you gave us was unprecedented. And that's part of the reason why we'd love you to, well, we, we, we're thankful you've come on the pod to to talk about those. But it certainly came across that you're a part of the team for that week and you really cared about the players and, and what sort of message you, you brought to the fans at home. But as well as that, you're very intrigued yourself when you were interviewing the players as well. So I thought that was very decent. Um, moving on, 
similar sort of line, but any, well, I'll say fondest memories, you kind of spoke about that, but talk to me about, or talk to us about the players and managers you've worked with over the years at Blackpool. Have you got any favourites or any any funny stories about any previous managers that you could tell us? Do you know, that there's so many um, great people who've managed Blackpool in the time I've covered them. I mean, the, the first Blackpool manager I came across when I was still working with Century Radio was Steve McMahon. Um, Steve was an interesting character. If you crossed him, you'd know about it. Um, Colin Hendry as well, actually, going a little bit further back. And Colin is, is a good pal of mine. I, I've got so much time for Cole. Um, Simon Grayson, I, I got on really, really well with Simon. Uh, Ian Holloway, I mean, what, what more can be said about Ollie? He was um, just did a remarkable job. Tony Parks, brilliant, brilliant fella. Um, I, I, I've done quite a bit of work with Tony and his family since his dementia diagnosis. Um, Tony lives, or it did before he was um, moved to a home about a five-minute walk from me. So I, I used to see him on, on a, such a regular basis. Lovely, lovely man, um, and still gets to Ewood Park when he can. So I, I, I try and get to see him as much as possible. Um, the, the list goes on with the, the, the Blackpool managers. Some of them had more success than others. I consider Neil MacDonald a friend. He, he worked with us last season. Um, and, and I wish him really well in India. I hope it goes well for him. Gary Bowyer is someone that I'll always be in touch with. He, he's a great guy. And if times had been different back then, I think Gary would have stayed as Blackpool manager uh, a great deal longer. Um, and I suppose that brings us much more recent, really. Um, uh, Neil Critchley has been, been excellent uh, to, to deal with uh, in, in both his spell in the first time and, and briefly since coming back and, um, and and everyone has been really really good and, and I would have to say even though it didn't work out for either of them Michael Appleton and Mick McCarthy last season from a media perspective were very very straight and, and, and honest and, and, and upfront and they never uh, had a problem with any difficult questions um, coming their way um, I, I guess the, the, the best times uh, covering Blackpool and covering interviews were with Ollie because you just wouldn't have a clue what was coming next. There was Blackadder quotes halfway through interviews. <laughs> there were just just madness in, in what he was saying. But the, the players as well, they, back in the day in, in, in that season, uh, the fact that they're all still in the same WhatsApp group and they all talk still is, is testament to to the team that Ian Holloway built and Tony Parks before that as well, actually, and Gary Parkinson, who we should never forget either for his his role in it all. Um, but Ian Holloway was box office every week. Um, it was how much of his interview can we use on the radio tonight? We've only got an hour to get seven clubs in and, and you could give Ian Holloway an hour and a half on his own every week. Um, just listening to him was was entertainment to say the least. He was he, he was brilliant and, and was responsible for, for such a brilliant couple of years in charge of Blackpool, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, it absolutely was. And it's it's kind of hard to comprehend, isn't it, that every week or every sort of quote or every interview you'd, you'd give, he'd have either one a different story or two, have the same energy about him. Brilliant. Just the, the energy was, was always there. Um, maybe... Right towards the very end, you could sense that that energy wasn't quite the same as as it had been before. Um, not getting back promoted in that game at Wembley that we talked about earlier against West Ham, I think, hit him hard. 
probably had to lose some players after that game as well. Um, but that, that squad, that group of players, I know I said earlier I wasn't at the final um, against Cardiff, but um, I, I have got to know so many of that squad since. And they're a brilliant group of people. Uh, and you just don't see that story happening again. Could you liken it to Luton last season? Maybe you could a little bit. Really unfancy to get promoted. And, of course, managed by Rob Edwards, who was part of that Blackpool squad that went Indeed. up. And, and a brilliant, brilliant guy Rob is as well. And um, I, I really wish him well next season. So um, that, that's probably a very long-winded answer of me saying that I've actually got on with pretty much every Blackpool manager in my time covering Blackpool games, which um, it, I suppose is my job to do so. But um, it, it doesn't help anyone falling out with people I, I've never felt so um, they, they've all been they've all been fine some stand out more than others but but it's been it's been good fun down the years probably answers the question but I'll ask it anyway Martin's put in the chat without being too controversial has any manager been sort of quite tough to interview or have you had a if, if that's not the answer if that's not the sort of um, answer that no one's been sort of too controversial too hard as have you had a situation where it's been a real difficult interview at, at that moment Probably, probably some some of the toughest to interview were Jose Riga wasn't easy. I don't think he found the job particularly easy when he was at Blackpool and Riga I, Revolution. <laughs> yeah, and I think I think Lee Clark as well was was um, put in a very difficult job at a, a, a very difficult time, and and Lee certainly found that season at Blackpool a big challenge. I, I believe. Um, so th- those two were both in the same season, actually, um, for obvious reasons, really, because of what was going on behind the scenes at the time that things were really rough for Blackpool back then. Um, the managers, those two found it very difficult. And it, let's, you know, let's get it right. That team was a really poor team that got relegated from the championship. And if I remember rightly, went down again the following season um, from League One to League Two. And those were... Those were dark days for Blackpool in my time covering them because you, you actually struggled to see the way back for them at certain times. But I think appointing Gary was a masterstroke at that time, Gary Bowyer, to get them to get them back up and get them re-energized and, and back on the on the right road to, to recovery, really. So um yeah, I, I think controversial. There's a lot of clever managers around these days that, that they don't want to get dragged into any controversy, really. Um, Mick McCarthy, I, I, I smile when I think about talking to him sometimes because you you knew full well by his facial expression if he thought you'd asked a stupid question and he'd have no problem telling you you'd asked a stupid question. And um, at the end of the interview, you'd shake hands and, and I'd say thanks for your time and he'd say it's been an absolute pleasure and, and he was a proper gentleman. You'd, you'd walk away from that and and it was, um, yeah, a, a good experience, even though, again, it just didn't work out for me last season at, at Blackpool. And um, it, the results just weren't there at all, were they? Apart from that ridiculous game that, that I was at against Queen's Park Rangers. Yeah, I think that was a, a mixture of QPR, just not knowing what's hit him in the first few minutes. And... Yeah, and, and and a good performance in the end. Maybe everything did come together, but I think most most poignant interviews that McCarthy gave was after this Stoke win. He was even on Tandering TV, and you heard it in lengths as well. He 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 was almost in tears after that Stoke game. I think he had such a difficult start, didn't he? And he wanted to get the fans going and get games going. We we scraped. I don't know. 
I'm sure we all remember that game, but we got pummeled for most of it, but we scraped the win. And I think, yeah, he was, he showed his emotion and, and his want to do well, but I think his style of play just wasn't up to scratch in the championship. He obviously seemed like a very nice guy, but yeah. Um, would you say the the time you've you've just suggested those those years of sort of um, consecutive relegations was the most difficult time covering the Seasiders? Definitely, hundred percent. Yeah, um, and and actually going on further, it wasn't particularly any easier when they won promotion back from League Two when when there was hardly anybody there to see them win promotion. And I, I'm not gonna in the slightest criticise anyone for not going to a football match. It's everyone's prerogative. Everyone has their own view of what happened uh, under the previous ownership. Um, reporting on it wasn't easy. Um, we, Being the BBC, you've got to report in a fair and balanced way. You can't take sides. So um, other media outlets were in a position where they could take sides. We couldn't because we're, we're the BBC. We have to be impartial. So it, it's never easy when a club are going through dark times. We had it relatively similar when, when the Venkis took on Blackburn Rovers and, and they got yeah. relegated and there was a lot of um, turmoil early in their tenure in charge at, at Blackburn and it's never easy to to be able to um, get across both sides of the story in an equal and balanced way when all you guys as supporters who felt strongly one way you know, they, they, they didn't really want to hear from the other side by then because too much had gone on from their perspective. And and it was very, very difficult from an editorial perspective how to report on Blackpool during those times. I'm just really glad that that is long gone now and we're talking about sure. a football club who, who appear to me to be hopefully getting back on the right footing again after undoubtedly a really... Uh, step back or two last season, which which I wasn't really expecting last summer it to have been such a poor season that it turned out to be. Yeah, Martin, do you do you agree with that? Do you think despite losing sort of Neil the Neil in the in the summer that we would we would go on to have such a difficult season or did you have faith that we might have had enough to stay up? Um well I'm an eternal optimist. And, uh, and I was trying to convince everybody that I work with, because I work in Preston, as you know, um, that Michael Appleton was going to be really good second time round, and it was all going to be great and it would be a different style of play and would be okay. But um, heart of hearts, um, I knew we were only a few games away from problems and, and obviously it didn't take, it didn't, he had no credit in the bank, did he? And, and fans will turn very quickly on someone that doesn't, it hasn't got that likability factor. But um what I was going to say to you, Andy, is that um, I was very, very impressed with um, when Neil came back in the summer and the way that you interviewed him. And, and I think um, you didn't, in, in within reason, you didn't, um, uh, you gave him a, a grilling, if that's the right way to say it, in terms of, you know, the, the sort of the trust issues that Blackpool fans might have had with him coming back. And I think you, the, the interview was really impressive because a lot of fans were very happy that you asked those questions because the official media you know uh, outlet can't can't really do that but you you asked him that direct question and said you know if Steven Gerrard etc cetera, etc cetera, and, he, and he he straight away said no but, but I, I think I think the way you did that was was superb and it put a lot of people's minds at rest if you know what I mean 
It's really kind of you to say, thanks. Um, It's one of the biggest parts of my job is to try and get the questions across that supporters want to hear, Um, but do it in a respectful manner where the likelihood is you're not going to be falling out. Um, I've got a massive amount of respect for Neil Critcher. And look, I I will say it gladly on, on a Blackpool podcast. I don't blame him for leaving. I don't blame him one bit for taking on a job with Stephen Gerrard at Aston Villa. If so many people are offered better job prospects, better wages, a better standard of living, a better way for their family to live, I don't know who would actually turn it down. Um, We're seeing a lot of footballers right now who are deciding to go to Saudi Arabia. Fair play to them. If they want to go and they want to earn life-changing money, it's their prerogative. Um, When Neil Critchley came back, he will have known full well that the reaction would have been mixed. And it was important to put the questions to Neil that that supporters wanted to to hear. And first of all, let me say, I mean, we you get an opportunity to to speak to managers before you press record on interviews. And, and Neil Critchley is an absolute gentleman. Um, he doesn't refer to me as Andy. He refers to me as Basie, um, which a lot of people do. And it's, I find it quite nice, you know, you, and every time in Ireland that I, I saw him, which was quite a lot, he'd say, Basie, how are you? Are we having a brew or, or whatever? And there, there was ap- no doubt in his mind that being interviewed by me, regardless of the fact that we we get on, he had some serious questions to answer. And when he answered the Stephen Gerrard one, <laughs> he actually answered it before I finished the question because he was so keen to get across, look, I'm back here now. I'm delighted to be back. Um, there might be some bridges to build with some sections of the fan base, but I want to show everybody that, that I'm here and I'm committed to to doing the job. Um, and I did put to him, well, you were on a contract last time to to do that and you left. And he said, well, yes, I was. And I made that decision and you live and die by your decisions. And if he had that decision to make right now again, I've no idea which way he'd go, but it, it's very difficult to criticise somebody for for wanting to work at the very highest level with some of the very best players in European and world football and and actually be able to provide a heck of a lot more for your family as well and, and your your future after after football. So um yeah I'm 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 delighted that that people got a lot out of that interview because I was I was really pleased with the way Neil came across and have been every time that I've spoken to him since his return. I actually believe that he comes across as a more confident man this time around. Um and, and let's qualify that by saying nobody's played a league game yet. You know, if if Blackpool don't get off to the best of starts, is he going to be so accommodating? I think he will be, to be honest, because he's that sort of guy. But let's just hope 10 games into the season, we're talking about a really good start and, and that it's been the right decision to bring him back because I'm I'm pretty certain it is. It's... Um... It can go the same way as last time, <laughs> if he if he wants to. Uh, <laughs> I ended with promotion either way, but um, we've done this in reverse order. Thanks for asking the question, Martin. Anyway, because we won't repeat ourselves in a second. I just wanted to get your initial reaction for the first time around. Um, I was going to ask this in in sort of time order, but we'll, we'll do it in reverse. When when he initially left, 
I know I know you said you don't blame him and I know a lot of the fans felt a lot of animosity towards him because he signed the contract and he you know he fist pumped and he he did have that connection for the first time we've had in 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 years um but beside that when when you first heard the news what was your initial reaction what was your gut feeling when you when you heard he left well it was a bank holiday if I if I remember rightly yeah. um yeah. and I was playing football with my daughter um just having a kick around with her and some friends and some other dads. And, and I actually was in an area of of near home here where there's no mobile phone signal for my network provider. And then I got back in my car and, and drove 100 yards and my messages on my phone were going ping, 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 ping. And um, there was a few messages to say, where have you been? We, we need to talk to you. Um, I, I couldn't believe it, to be honest. I think it was just really out of the blue. I don't think anyone's expecting him to leave. Um, but it just shows how highly he's thought of that when a first-team job at a Premier League club comes up, uh, that he was on the wanted list of, of Steven Gerrard. So um, it was a, a huge surprise. I think it undoubtedly took the board of directors by surprise and left them in a position where they had to make a decision as quickly as possible because of pre-season not being far away. And um, I think they both, uh, Ben Mansford and Simon Sadler, both said on the record to supporters, look, had we known um, what Michael's appointment would have meant to a lot of fans, maybe we wouldn't have done it in the first place. And and they'll they'll live and die by those decisions, just like they will with the appointment of Neil. But yeah, I, w- I was extremely surprised um, that Neil went to Aston Villa. Um, and I was actually equally as surprised that he didn't get very long at QPR either. Um, and that is a big bonus for Blackpool, I think, that had QPR given him longer, I'm pretty sure he'd still be there now. Do you, do you think that says a lot about where Blackpool is as a football club versus where QPR want to be as a football club? And um, I know they're very similar things, but if Blackpool and Critchley first time around they accepted the start he had and they you know they continued with him because they potentially thought he was the right man or they wanted to see how he how he got on but QPR kind of want instant success and therefore they they took that immediate sort of decision to do that well it's really difficult isn't it because I think since Simon Sadler's been the chairman uh, when he took over Terry McPhillips was manager and he left very quickly Simon Grayson then came in and he left within oh, six months, seven months, something like that. Uh, then Neil comes in, uh, has a couple of games, and then COVID kicks in. And you don't want to be in a position, I think, as, as the chairman and, and relatively new to, to football ownership, to be constantly changing managers. Now, um, I was talking to Andy Lyons last week about it, and and since he came in from Ireland, Neil Critchley's his fourth manager, if you include Stephen Dobby's caretaker role. Now that that's a lot for a young player coming in from Ireland who was used to playing under the same manager for a long time to to cope with and, and have to impress every time. So it, it's really interesting. I, I, I think whatever start to the season Blackpool make, there will be unwavering support for Neil to to get it right for Blackpool this season. And and looking firsthand for a few days on how they were, um I, I'm really as confident as I can be that that they'll be in the right sort of area next season of League One. 
Absolutely. Um, Matt, I'll come to you next. Um, you said in the first uh, pod that you think Neil Critchley would um, be given this similar sort of time that we wouldn't react potentially as fans in the same. I know fans would probably kick off that we're going to have like a similar situation with him having an extended run of bad games. But you, you see it differently this time, don't you? You see the board backing him once again. Um but one, one thing I was going to ask is with with the way that Critchley has come across in his interviews since he's come back, do you see a different side of him? Yeah, I think like Andy was saying, that you do see him a lot more confidence from him. Obviously, with Aston Villa and QPR, he's been tested like he's never been tested before. I mean, with us, obviously at first, the first 10 games under where he managed us and we had that bit of a, Think that oh what we got ourselves into here, and then he turned it round. After that, it's pretty much plain sailing as Blackpool boss, and obviously the first season at Championship went as well as it could do. And but I think now he's been through the walls, so to speak, with Aston Villa. And let's let's face it, with Aston Villa, you've got the biggest pressures you you could possibly have. You manage at the top, well, coaching at the top level under Steven Gerrard, there's, there's a lot more money into it. You're dealing with a higher quality of players. I was talking talking about his work with likes of Philippe Coutinho. Um, these are people that have won Champions Leagues. It's a lot different from Blackpool. And I think now he's come back, worked for these quality players. Obviously, he's gone to QPR, struggled there. But now, you think he knows how to work in those, in those hard to speak, troubles. And I think he never really had that at Blackpool. He's a lot more experienced. I think he knows what to do. And the thing is, he's worked for this bulk of the squad before. So he knows how to work with players, manage the players. And no wonder he's confident. And I'm, like I said, I think, seeing from what I've heard, I think Blackpool fans have all got a reason to be confident heading into the season. Yeah, Martin, I'll come to you next. I was going to... I was going to say this, I don't really have to ask the question in some ways, but since he's come back, he's obviously given the interviews um, with Radio Lancashire and he's done the interviews with Tangerine TV, but whether the club are doing a very good job of hiding him, um, quote-unquote, off uh, as much in the limelight and given sort of an aura about him that is back and doing a good job, they've kind of painted him in a picture where he's back and he's working hard with the team rather than having an excitement about the team, if that makes sense. I know they go hand in hand, but They've kept him out of the limelight in terms of doing the interviews and in the videos. He's not been in them directly, has he? Really, he hasn't. Um, so, what, what's your been? What's your opinion on what the club has done since he's come back, so to integrate him back? I, I think. I mean, Andy knows Neil. I've never met Neil, um, but I, I always had the impression with with Neil Critchley that he's not he's not somebody who really wants to be in the limelight. Anyway, I think he, when he has been interviewed, he seems better. He does seem more confident, as Matt said. I don't think he really wants to be thrust into the limelight. What I've enjoyed is, is with the content coming from the club, and, and obviously the content we'll discuss in a minute, is getting to know the other members of staff. I never heard Ian Brunskill speak before, you know, and, and, and we've got to know a little bit more about him. And um, David Downs, you know, seems like a fantastic guy with a wealth of experience. We talked about this last week. And to actually get them in front of a microphone to whoever that might be, has been really good, and I, I think Neil Neil's a very modern manager, isn't he? He's, he's a, he loves being on the training ground. It's why he took the Villa job. You know, he's, he's very he's a very good manager, but he first and foremost just wants to be on the grass. He'll do the media stuff, but it's not his um, 
I don't think it's the first thing he thinks about in the morning, is it? I'll, 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 how many interviews can I cram in? And some managers love it, don't they? Some managers absolutely love doing interviews. Um, but I think it's been really good that we've seen other people uh, and got to know other people. Um, so I, I think I think he's probably done as much media exposure as he wants to do, and he just gets on with it. But but it, yeah, I, I do take your point. I think that's that's definitely a strategy. That's not an accident. Yeah, for sure. You're absolutely spot on. I think hearing, and we're talking about this now when we talk about corporate hearing so many different people in such a, well, in a week, really, we heard from, what, what 10 different people? And I think that really, whether, um, I was around you tell us in, um, in a second, whether it was the club's choice or whether it was just a mixture of agreement, but having so much content, from you guys which which was phenomenal from so many different people gave the fans something back for last season it doesn't take much but what 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 last week or the week before did I forget what day of week it is now um did for us as fans is is gave us a different feeling about the football club in my opinion and that it it was brilliant to see and it's something so simple but something I've haven't seen on twitter from any other football club um, where they've done so many interviews with different people and allowed us in um, to, to get a bit more personal with those players, which you did an exceptional job at, at doing. So we're going to touch upon your time in Cork now, and Matt's sort of got an in, uh, a question to sort of introduce your time there. Yeah, so just to like, echo what the other lads have said there, I think the media content and the interviews you did, Andy, were superb with the players and the staff alike. And what a really wanted to know is obviously you said you were invited out to Cork and especially given the unrest last season shall we say kind of split the fan base a bit and this relic with the relegation I think a few Blackwell fans were a bit half and half with oh, what do, what do you think about Sadler what do you think about the club the direction moving in obviously and Critchley's a point where I think a lot of fans have been won over at the time it was controversial and so I just wanted to ask, with you being invited out to Cork with the squad and seeing what you see, do you think that's a positive sign from the club? The fact that they've invited you out and you've got that such like insight of the pre-season training camp? I can't speak highly enough of them. I, I think it was um, a decision that it was an invitation for BBC Radio Lancashire. I must clarify, it wasn't an invitation for me personally. It was an invitation for the radio station and the sports editor. I made the decision to go. Um, but I think it was a really refreshing move from a football club. It's the first time that any of our clubs have actually invited us to go. Um, don't forget there was no match to, to cover. There was no um, sort of go and watch tactics and systems and that sort of thing. Now, I, I could have stayed outside for every training session that was there when, when I was in Ireland. Um, but at the same time, I had a lot of interviews to, to edit <laughs> because there was there was quite a lot of people to talk to. Um, but I cannot speak highly enough of, of the, the staff from from David Downs and, and Nick Horn, the, the club secretary who were who were present in Cork, um, to all of the football staff. And that goes from the, the analysts to the kit guys to the management team to the, the media lads and then the players themselves. There, there was such a feeling of I, I arrived on Wednesday morning and I was told, look, you, you can, you, you eat at lunchtimes in the main room with everybody else. You, you're very much part of this. You can come out and watch training sessions, whichever players or members of staff that you want to talk to. Um, 
go and ask them if they want to come and talk and they're more than happy to talk to you then then there's absolutely no problem in doing so i i, I gave the club a list of players I would like to speak to and ended up speaking to probably double the number of people that I'd originally wanted to. And that was largely due to the fact that they were such an accommodating group of people. They, they were respectful. They were interested. Um, there's a lot of uh, interviews that you won't have heard yet that are uh, sort of quick fire questions that will be going on social media when the football season uh, really starts. So you're going to find out hopefully a little bit more about them as people rather than doing uh, interviews about what's it like joining Blackpool and and what's that sort of thing been like. Because I, I'm acutely aware that footballers are going to be put up for interviews 50-odd times in a season if they have a good cup run. And the number of times they're asked, how difficult is this game on Saturday going to be? <laughs> Let's be honest, it's boring. It's But nobody wants to answer that question. And yeah, no game is... Uh, and, and an easy game. Every game's a tough game, and all this—it's nonsense, you know. We, we and I'm doing my best to try and, and the rest of the the team that that I work with, we're doing our best to try and just make it as interesting as we can. Make the the content interesting. Make make it a little bit different for the players. So next time they sit down with us, they're not going to be like, "Oh, he was really boring last time." I, I've nothing else to say to him. So it, it's. I, I I really, really enjoyed uh, last week, I, I have to say. Um, and I arrived on Wednesday morning and by 9.30 on Thursday night, I was leaving Cork to come back and I was sat at my desk on Friday morning at work. So it wasn't like I was there for the whole week by any stretch. But but just the feel that I got for, for the place and for the people... Um, was absolutely great. And, and, and I would endorse what, what was said a little bit earlier. I found Ian Brunskill really interesting to talk to. I had no idea he had a master's degree in sports psychology. Uh, I knew he'd worked abroad, but I didn't realise how many countries he'd worked in. Um, he was at Blackburn Rovers a long time, and I've covered a lot of Blackburn Rovers, but never before had the opportunity to speak to Ian. And, and I found him really, really interesting and, and a great guy, actually, be, behind the scenes when he's, he's, he's talking to the players and, and the staff just a really good solid guy who's got a smile on his face and and makes uh, the day go by with a smile and and that sort of thing and then the same with with David Downs a really impressive guy never met David before uh, and I would have to say Nick on the club secretary as well another really impressive guy who've got nothing but the best interest of the club at heart and it's really heartening for me to see that I, I'm convinced the right people are in the right roles at Blackpool this season and and I don't think we could say the same last season, could we, really? So were you wowed by any players in particular, whether that be from what they said in the interviews, how they conducted themselves, or were you wowed by anyone on the training pitch? Um, the training pitch, I, I, I saw a lot of warm-ups rather than a, a lot of shape work and, and, and skills. Just Just watching them in passing drills, when you hear a pro footballer pass a football, it doesn't sound like when I pass a football. <laughs> it sounds like you've passed it properly. You know, it, it sounds like they know what they're doing. Um, in terms of the interviews, I was really, it, it, it sounds really daft, actually. I was really impressed with all of them for, for varying reasons. Um, Kenny Dougal was quite brutal in his assessment of last season, um, which I thought was really refreshing. Um, he was quite clear that last season was a bit of a disaster and, and they'd be looking to 
to do better. Thought Shane Lavery come across as someone who's really determined to replace Jerry next season and, and score a lot of goals. Um, Matt Pennington came across as a just a fabulous guy, just just someone who was really interested in having a conversation and someone who every time you'd pass him either in a corridor or or wherever in the hotel, he would always stop and say hello and and make sure that you that you were okay and that sort of thing. So really good guy, Ollie Norburn. I think is captain material just by meeting him, just that steely sort of grit determination about him that, that I think next season could be a big season for him. Um, but the list goes on. I mean, the, the Richard O'Donnell um, came across as a, a, again, a really, really good guy. We've got a mutual friend, Tommy Spur. Um, so we, we spoke a lot about, about fundraising that, that we've both been involved in over the last 12 months to help Tommy's son Rio through his leukemia. Um, and um, I, I can honestly say to you, I, I did not come across a single person in the camp that I thought they might have a problem with him. They might have a problem with him. It, it just seemed a, a, a group of really good people who appear to be determined to have a really good season. Yes, testament to the recruitment as well, isn't it? Testament that they're getting the right players in to, to suit the current crop of players as well. 100%. Great recruitment so far. Um, let's, let's hope it, it continues in that way because I think there's an appetite for three, four, maybe five more players before the season starts. No guarantees that there'll be no one leaving as well. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing Kyle Joseph. I'll be honest with you, I don't know a massive amount about him. Um, but Neil Critchley sees him as a number nine. So it'll be really interesting how that works um, and and where they go with, with formations and, and who plays in certain positions. But um, I still believe there's there's probably room for more permanence and more loan signings before the Burton game. Andy, when, when you were out there, did you, you probably answered this question in a way, but did you kind of sense a need to get the feel-good factor back I mean, maybe not that they might not have been overplaying that, but, you know, we had a great feel-good factor. We mentioned that. And then last season was a massive step backwards. But it doesn't, I don't get the sense, it doesn't seem like a relegated club. If you didn't know, and, and it sounds like if, if you'd have turned up there and, and from another planet and didn't know that Blackpool had been relegated, you, you wouldn't have got that sense. So, do you, do you, you know, what did you feel a, a kind of an urge to, for them to, to, to get that feel-good message across or, or it seems maybe natural maybe that's the answer to that question it's just it was naturally there anyway I think the, the best way of saying it is there was absolutely no smell of relegation anywhere around the place there was no sense that these lads were in any way feeling that that they were down in the dumps and they they were really suffering from a relegation hangover it appeared that they've appointed a head coach who's, who's a very calm man uh, very clear in what he wants, but he's very calm and doesn't really see the need to raise his voice unless he has to. And it just seemed, and well, Kenny actually said it, that we know what our role is again now. We know what to do. Our, our, this coach has his way of teaching us how he wants us to play. And um, yeah, the, there was there was just a sense of of real calm around the place, really, and 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 probably a, just a determination to go out there and and work really hard and try and impress for some who's a new manager and for some who 
are probably just going to look to show the manager that they've had before, that they're still the player that they can be relied on again for next season. So, yeah, really good feel-good factor around the place. I don't think in any sense there was an act on by anybody uh, that, you know, let's pretend everything's okay. Not a chance. They'd have to be too good at acting to be doing that. Um, So there was a real sense of let's have a good season. Let's not dwell in what we can't control. Let's control the controllables and that's what's happening in the future. That's good to know, isn't it? Because I think that attitude, us as fans need to take that attitude on. I think we all agree. We've we've we had done a couple of pods now, and we've we've talked about the need to get on with it. I think some fans dwell too long, and I think you need to take that attitude that, that you know there's a lot of new players there, a, a newish head coach, um, and we have to follow that example. Because there's, there's no moping. You can't mope in League One, can you? Because you know it's a tough league. Everyone's got to be united, and that's what I think we will be. I'm getting good vibes that I think I think it's maybe being forgotten about now. Last season, we just need to move on. Yeah, very much agree. Hope that's the case. Um, you know, there will be people disappointed with last season, uh, but I think as soon as we get to the first weekend in August, it'll all be a distant memory, and you've just got to concentrate on what's going to be a forty-six game season against a load of teams. And I've got the teams in front of me here. I, I'm not fearing many of them. I'll be honest with you. I, I'm I'm really not. I'm not looking at teams in that division thinking. Oof, that's going to be, they're they're going to run away with it. I I think last season's League One was a lot stronger than this season's League One's going to be. So that hopefully will be good for Blackpool. Um, Yeah, I think, I I kind of disagree. I've seen some of the signings that Charlton, Derby and a few others have made and I think there'll be 10 to 11 teams that wouldn't surprise me if they went up automatically and I think you've alluded to the fact there's an appetite to sign more players and we definitely need I think some creativity out wide and and essentially sort of some defensive loans just to secure sort of the squad to make sure every eleven we put out is strong. But I, I think we'll be surprised by someone next season, um, and I think the league will be very competitive. I actually think the quality of football in League One will start to grow as well as we saw with the likes of Plymouth and Sheffield Wednesday, Ipswich last season. That with League One is becoming a very footballing league and not traditionally like it used to be. Um, back in the old day, so to speak, um, speaking like a 60-year-old when I'm, when I'm only 30. But um, you, you, you spoke about the players being nice um, and you have mentioned that Norburn was a steely character, but do you think the characters were too nice or do you think they were just being honest with who they were and they show a different side on the football pitch? Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't read anything into them being too nice. Um, they, they are professional footballers. They're they're. Once they're over the uh, white line, so to speak, they, they turn into winners and turn into competitors. Um, there's more than enough competitors in that squad to to not be the nice guy on the pitch. I, I, I don't see uh, Norburn as being a particularly nice guy on the pitch. Far from it. And, and he's, he's probably exactly what Blackpool need. Tribal will interest me, whether he is part of it next season, whether he can keep fit, get in the team. Um, depends on the system that they're going to play. Um, but he, he undoubtedly a really talented guy. If, if they can, if he stays, and I've, I've no reason to suggest that he won't. And um, if he can keep fit, he could play a big part. But it, it all depends what, what the formation would be, I suppose. Yeah, that was actually one of the social questions. So um, actually on one of the 
um, infamous message board someone posted to me today. We didn't hear from Tom Tribal. Did you speak to him at all or get any impression that he's settled with the club? Um, and is there expectations that will be a part of it next season? Yeah, I spoke to him. Um, it, for whatever reason, while I was there, it just didn't, our paths didn't cross when I was doing interviews. Um, there was no reason to suggest why, uh, that he wouldn't. Um, he is, he's a really good guy. I, I, I spoke to him a number of times when he was at Blackburn. Um, but all these interviews back then were on Zoom because of behind closed doors and, and everything like that. Um, he's, he's a great size. He, he, he's a, a really good player, tactically very good, um, experienced. I think he can play a part for Blackpool. Um, I've no idea his level of salary. I've no idea whether the level has dropped significantly um, over relegation. I don't know whether a move back to German football would appeal to him if it was available. I I, I simply don't know. I, I, I hope sure. he stays at Blackpool and, and does well for them. But um, th- there's, there's absolutely no... Um, correlation between him not doing an interview um, and his future with, with Blackpool. No, certainly not. It, 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 I would have really enjoyed talking to him. No, no, sure. I think it was just a case of because we didn't hear, like what sort of impressions did you get from him? But I I, I agree. If he's not involved with the first team next season, but he's still with the squad, I think he's a very talented footballer to have um, on, on the bench. So I see him as a starter when fit. Um he was at Norwich, obviously, for a long period of time. I watched him for a few games there, and he, he's undoubtedly above League One, in my in my opinion. So I think he'll be a key asset um, to, to the team. Um, next question's from Mark Webster. So after spending time with the squad, um, what are your genuine thoughts ahead of the new season? And is there any players you think will flourish under Neil Critchley? I know you've sort of touched upon the squad as an overall. So if you just think think about the players that potentially you think will flourish under under Neil. I've got a really good feel for Shane Lavery having a good season. Uh, um, I really hope he does. I hope he plays as a striker. Um, when he came on the scene um, a couple of seasons ago at Bristol City, he was exciting. He was um, always on the half turn. He was always moving. He was taking up great spots. He's got pace. Just need to keep him fit. Just need to keep him playing in his best position. And actually, in the interview, I said to to Shane, how much did you miss not playing as a striker? And he said, I really missed it. But it's very difficult to complain if you're still getting picked, maybe playing in positions where you're not 100% at your best, but you're still playing in championship-level football. It's really difficult. But, uh, I mean, he didn't score too many goals last season. I think it was a couple at the most. Um, I would hope that if he plays... As a centre forward, Shane Lavery should be in double figures by Christmas. I, I, I hope he is, because he's a sort of lad who, I think, deserves it. He, he's, he's a, he's a good guy. Wants to work hard and he wants to do well for Blackpool. And I did actually say to him, "Was there a chance of you leaving last season?" And he said, "No, I, I really like it here, and there's something really refreshing about that." So hopefully, him. Um, I think Pennington will, will have a good season. Um, I think he. he It'd be just what Blackpool need. I, I hope he's like he's what Marvin needs, because last season Marvin's season when he was fit, shadow of he, himself, he, he couldn't get it right on the pitch, could he? Um, whether the captaincy was weighing heavy on him, I'm, I'm I'm not too sure. But hopefully the return of Neil Critchley and and someone with the quality of Pennington alongside him, maybe Connolly as well, if they play a back three, um, that, that they might they might be a good uh, trio together. Uh, back there, um, 
Albie Morgan, I, I, I don't know a great deal about, but I, I know that people, when he signed for Blackpool, said what a good player he is. So I'm looking forward to seeing him. Um, I hope he does really well. Uh, but I, I'm I'm going to stick my neck out and say Lavery for me. I'm, I'm really hoping that he has a good season. And obviously, every, every team has a good goalkeeper who does well. I would... Pretty sure that Dan Grimshaw will start the season, lads, won't you? Yep. I hope and so. Let's, anyway. hope <laughs> let's hope he's injury free as well and, and has a good season for Blackpool because undoubtedly he's a really talented goalie. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, a couple of last couple of questions before we let you go. Rob Walker has said the content for the summer has been incredible, and this question was asked quite a lot actually. Um, is there something you're looking is sorry, is this something you're looking to continue in the new season? Will it depend on obviously Blackpool? And is is there any new features sort of with Blackpool um, head of the new campaign? Um, I, I'd love to sit here and say there'll be there'll be loads, loads, loads more Blackpool content. Um, when you cover seven teams with a relatively small group of people, it's it's difficult to devote so much time to to one club. Um, I'm very much hoping that we'll use. The trip to Ireland and, and 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 how well it went as as a way of working really well alongside Blackpool this season. Hopefully, talk to the chairman with some sort of regularity. Um, David Downs at a regularity as well. We're always going to hear from uh, the head coach before games and after games. Um, but I, I'm just I'm, I'm hoping from what I said a little bit earlier that we might be able to get little different snippets out of people other than the bog standard. What do you make of this game on Saturday? And then you've got another game on Tuesday. Isn't it a busy schedule? Because we all know it is. And, and, and it's almost pointless saying it because it's actually stating the obvious, isn't it? So um, we'll do our level best to, to get as much on as we can. Um, maybe see if we can get some, uh, some of the Blackpool players on, on, the Radio Lancashire podcast balls to it as well. So we'll, we'll look into that. Yeah, that'd be excellent to hear from them. Um, I had one last question. Um, Jamie Rooney's a bit left field this one, but still to do with the squad. I understand that when a player finishes a finishes a season at a club and is injured, we, we have to, of course, take care of him and do right by the player. But Jamie Rooney has asked, thoughts on Medine and do you think he would ever come back or do you think he would be a good signing for Blackpool? My opinion would be he'll probably, I'm guessing he's not going to be fit until the new year. So that there's a long way to go before um, he's anywhere near fit to play. I was actually doing that game at, at Bristol City when he went down in the first minute and it was a shocker. Um, I think a fit Gary Medine would be a massive player in League One for Blackpool. I, I know there's there'll be a section of the fan base who'll go, yeah, Maybe his time's been, he's had a couple of spells with us already as a player and maybe it's time to move on somewhere else. But um, I guess a lot will depend on how the season's going. But if you wanted another option as a centre forward for the second half of the season, someone who lives in the area, someone who knows the manager, someone who knows the players, uh, if the money was right, I'd sign him. Matt, what are your thoughts? Gary Medina, Gary Goals, as he's commonly known across the Blackpool <laughs> fans. Um, I think you've uh, seen the group chat we're in, Tom. 
uh, my opinion, on Gary Medine. I think, I think the f- first three seasons we had him, obviously the one where Grayson had signed him, and obviously the promotion season, the first season championship. I loved Gary Medine. Obviously, I've got one of the Blackpool shirts with his name on the back. I think it's from the promotion season. However, I think last season he definitely lost his way. I don't know whether that's with the club going the direction it did with the change of managers. I thought obviously this times was a bit controversial. I've fancy him at pubs or nightclubs after games where he's been subbed off earlier and whatnot. Obviously it's all rumours. I think personally, there's a lot of a nostalgia factor with Blackpool and we always like to go back and go, Oh, what if, what if I think with Gary Medine, I think it's best to just look after him for the time being and say, thank you for your time, Gary, and just let him move on. I think there's other targets we can get out there and I think it's time to say goodbye, sadly. Okay. Uh, Martin, do you have any opinions on Medina's undoubted quality when fit, as as Andy said, I think his experience and his knowledge of how to play that forward line is is probably something obviously we've been we've been missing or are missing in the team at the moment. Would but would you like to see him back in, in January when he's fit or would you would you prefer us to go a more long term or sort of a season season long signing to replace him? Um it's a no for me. I gotta be honest. I think I think um I agree with, with Matt. I think he's had his time. Um I I think that it would be a good opportunity maybe for somebody else to step up. Um there are other names out there, so um no, as awesome as he is coming out of the sea, modelling third kits, <laughs> uh, I think that train has sailed. And no. But, um, yeah. There you go. <laughs> um, we, we move on and we'll, we'll finish this week with just uh, just a few sort of bits of news we've had. It's been fairly quiet week after uh, after the week we had with Andy and a, and a few signings last week. So um, we started the week with the friendly with um, Plymouth, didn't we, Matt? It was from the highlights, the two minutes, 17, I think, of the highlights we got. It looked like we played quite a high-pressing pre- uh, uh, attacking game, which was nice to see. I know Plymouth made some changes in the second half, but it was all about minutes in the legs, wasn't it? And it was nice to see Lavery, regardless of it being a friendly or a penalty, get his first goal of pre-season. Yeah, it's great to see Lavery get a goal. And obviously, Andy's faith has been repaid there. Obviously, he's scored a few <laughs> goals in preseason so far. Um, but no, yeah, obviously Plymouth recently promoted side, so they've got the promotion buzz as well. I'd say we've only lost two one. It's not a bad result. I think obviously you can't, can't look to, into results too much. At the end of the day, Critchley's still trying to put his tactics across, his methodology across to the new players. I think what was fascinating to me was it seems like he went for that five back. Obviously, we've talked about in the previous podcast, oh, what, what system is he going to go for? I think seeing that he's gone for the fireback, it's interesting to see, okay, well, we've all criticised, oh, we've not signed enough wingers, but if we're going to go for the wing-backs with the three midfielders and the two strikers, was there a real need for wingers? I think that's my biggest takeaway from the Plymouth Games formation we played. Yeah, it was um, interesting to see Andy Lyons still playing up front, second top goal scorer last season, and winning headers in the box, <laughs> which uh, which was refreshing to see. I love the way he gets forward, and like I said, he was on the penalty spot when he winning headers, and unfortunately cannoned off the post. But I think he's going to be a massive asset in um, in League One as well, playing sort of out wide in that formation. He's not scared to get forward, is he? Um, and we also played um, today. Um, 
Andy. We played Wolves two 60-minute games, um, a 2-0 um, loss in the first game, but an impressive 4-0 victory in the second game. And, and of course, sort of Lavery and Albie Morgan from, from the report looks looking like they're shining. But it was nice to see us playing sort of top quality, whether it be sort of reserves or, or part of the first team in Wolves in two separate games and the second game, obviously, winning 4-0 as well. Confidence booster, isn't it? Really good. Um, bring on the rest of the games. And then, do you know, I hate pre-season friendlies. They're, 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 they're not for me in the slightest. So um hated playing them when I played Sunday football. And uh, I, I hate watching them um, for our clubs, really. Uh, so uh, I, I just look forward to the proper stuff when that gets underway, when it actually means something. Um, so the sooner we get to the 4th of August, the better. Um Absolutely. And before we say our goodbyes, Martin um, signed a goalkeeper this week, uh, Mackenzie Chapman. Um, he didn't get the uh, the Lynx van treatment, which we're all saddened to see the anticipation of a new signing on there. It was more sprung upon us. But your thoughts on on the on the signing that happened this week? Yeah, Andy, I don't, I don't know if you're an average follower of Blackpool's Twitter, but have, have you seen So we, we, are, we, we announce a new signing with the, the Lynx signs are a local company and they... They wheel a van in front and they say, like, who's this? And then five minutes later, you know, the, the signing doesn't pop out of the van, unfortunately. That, would be- <laughs> that was the biggest yeah. disappointment, wasn't it? <laughs> they, they then boringly just do it normally. But, you know, the van comes up. This guy didn't get a van. Oh. So, uh, but he is a first-team player. He's not a development squad player. But, no, he's he's been at Oxford and he's been at Bolton. And I know that Carl Robinson had some very nice things to say about him when he signed him for Oxford, said he's very good and he's very mature for his age. And, and we need a third. I think every team needs three keepers. I've heard seen a lot of comment on social media from Blackpool fans saying, oh, we can just use the, the youth team keeper if O'Donnell was to get injured or Grimshaw was to get injured. But I don't think you can take that kind of risk, can you really? I think you need three goalkeepers. We, You know, in the championship, we had uh, Grimshaw, Maxwell and Stuart Moore. Um so this guy, uh, Mackenzie Chapman, I, I can't profess to ever have heard of him until we signed him. But um, he's just a, a third-choice goalkeeper with maybe a bit of potential. He's only 21 a years contract with a with an option for another year. So, uh, you know, could be a, a sound investment, but um, maybe not quite as exciting. I'll say not exciting enough to get a, to get a van tweet. So, you know, unlucky. Yeah, I think Stuart Moore had played in that game against Blackburn, didn't he? Made that save in the last minute as well. So that good experience of a third keeper and a good quality third keeper is sort of invaluable, really, because that got us three points in that win against Blackburn. I thought I said that to you, Andy, whilst you're still on the pod. Um, I'll leave you, before we say our goodbyes, I'll leave you with one question. Um, How do you see the squad shaping up in terms of um, potential sort of signings? Um, And, you know, do do you genuinely see us challenging after spending sort of some time and looking at the quality of player I see no reason why Blackpool can't challenge um, I, I really don't I, I, I think there's every chance that they can have a good season I think the teams that went up last season were strong the teams that have come down um, maybe not so much if you look at Reading who were, who, who were in all sorts of bother Wigan and minus eight already um, so I, I, I'm under no illusion that it's going to be a, a, a big old slog as 46 games always are, but there's no reason why Blackpool cannot be in there challenging in some way, shape or form to to get back to the championship at the first attempt. Because it, if you don't go back at the first attempt, it's a really tough league, I think. Once you get stuck in it, you look at Derby County, Sunderland was stuck in it for a long time. 
Ipswich um, as well. Sheffield Wednesday, you know, the, the list goes on. Leeds United were stuck in it for some time a, a few years ago as well. So um, League One is a tough league if you end up being stuck in it for a few years. So um, let's hope we're talking this time next year and the championship season's just a couple of weeks away. Fantastic. Um, and on those kind words, we're going to put an end to the pod. We've just gone over the hour, but as uh, your time with us, Andy, has been invaluable. So I'd like to take the time to say thank you very much for spending it with us. Thank you for inviting me. It's been great. And, and good luck for the season with the podcast, guys. Great idea getting it off the, uh, off, off the rails and getting started. Thank you. And then hopefully we'll uh, see some interesting interviews from um, Radio Lancashire Sports uh, in the near future. Thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, Matt, thanks again for coming on. Um, looking forward to spending sort of sort of having your opinions on the show in the next few weeks as well. Oh, it's been awesome again, guys. Really enjoyed it. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Martin. Cheers, Andy, for joining the show. And Martin, uh, last but not least, uh, thanks for coming on again and have a good evening. Yeah, and all big thanks from from myself to Andy as well. Um, hardworking journalist who's who's still talking to us at ten o'clock at night. Gone. So so great, great to hear from him. Absolute, absolutely great coup for the pod. I think. Yeah, really enjoyed it. And from me, good evening, good morning, good afternoon. However you're listening to the pod, thanks for listening to episode three, and we look forward to bringing episode four next week. <laughs>